Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to Sounds Fake But Okay, a podcast where an arrow ace girl, I'm Sarah, that's me. And a demi-straight girl, that's me, Kayla. Talk about all things to do with love, relationships, sexuality, and pretty much anything else that we just don't understand. On today's episode, the medicalization of asexuality. Sounds Sounds fake, fake, but but okay. okay. Welcome back to the pod. Happy 2021, kids. We made it. Um, We made it. We made it. We um, made it. I'm glad that all of us who made it did. Continue to mm-hmm. stay safe out there, kids. Please. Yes. Please. 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 Anyway, Kayla, what are we talking about this week? This week is a request from one of our patrons because as you know if you are a $15 patrons you can demand us to do a certain topic you can um, demand anyone can like you know request or suggest a topic but if you're a $15 patron we simply have to do it it could take months but we will do it <laughs> but we will do it <laughs> um so this is a request from shrubbery um and they wanted us to talk about the medicalization of asexuality or other queer identities. I think we're just going to stick pretty closely to asexuality since even that is a pretty big topic. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. A real a real um, positive, uplifting episode for the first of the year, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, excellent. Um, okay. I mean, do we want to just dive in? Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess uh, I wrote several disclaimers while I was doing my research. What is it, 2017? Um, yeah. <laughs> um, well, first note is we did cover a topic like similar to this, or we kind of like lightly covered it in episode 44, which mm-hmm. was an episode we did about this like women's Viagra medicine that was coming out. Um, or had came out and there was news about it. I don't know. Um, and we kind of talked about this, but um, this will be our updated views and maybe a bit deeper. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But then disclaimers, uh, we are not medical experts, uh, not experts in any of the subjects we're going to be talking about. I'm an expert um, in myself. Yeah. We are experts in ourselves. And nothing um, more. As usual, this episode, this episode's, I guess, more educational than most of ours, but it's not meant to be 100% educational, more just like us doing some research and reacting to the things we learn. Um, so Starting a discussion. You, so Yeah, we're having a discussion. Um, so, you know, you should 100% do your own research on the topics we talk about, because there's a lot of interesting stuff out there. Um, but it's, you know, it can get pretty deep and scientific and all that. So as usual, we're just having a conversation between two friends. So we're just dipping our toes in. Yeah, we're just starting and then we'll continue the conversation with you all online like we usually do because you all will probably have more experience with this and a lot more interesting thoughts. So those are our disclaimers. Um, so yeah, medicalization of asexuality. So I think we're kind of going to be talking about how asexuality is viewed in the medical world in the like mental health world um things of that nature Mm -hmm. so 
to start, I wanted to ask you and myself if either if either of us have brought up our sexuality in like a medical or therapy um like setting and how that went yeah so i i don't ever bring it up voluntarily um because not because i'm ashamed of it or anything it's just it's a it can be a sticky subject and then you're like giving a TED talk to a doctor sometimes and like yeah. that's just like it's not really what you want to go into. Um, but like, you know, like they always have questions of like, oh, like, are you sexually active? And I'm like, no. And they're like, have you been sexually active? And I'm like, no. <laughs> and they're just like, oh, OK. <laughs> and then we just like move on. Um when I did at one point have a therapist, which I need a new one, but hey, mm-hmm. I finally saw a psychiatrist. Guys, we're making money moves. <laughs> um, uh, I It kind of came up where she was asking about, like, there was, there was like a form she had me fill out, um, and it asked about sexuality, and I just said, like, prefer not to answer, and she was like, is there a reason that you say that? And I'm like... Well, I, I I mean, I'm ace, but I just like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want it to be a thing. It's not, it doesn't impact my mental health really in any way. So like, it's just, that's a thing. And she was like, okay, cool. And then it never came up again. Yeah, I think like for you, something you often talk about is how it like your sexuality isn't like the biggest part of your life or anything. So it, yeah. Kind of makes sense. The one thing I thought of for you was when you went to the gynecologist and you were like supposed to get stuff done. And then they were like, oh, well, you've never had sex before. So we're just going to wait till you have sex. And you were like, like, I'm pretty sure that like you're supposed to get them once you turn 21. I mean, because I I was super nervous about it because I did not like the whole situation. But I was like, I know. are not a cute look. Yeah, and like I was like this this causes me moderate panic. Um and, and then you went and they were like, "Nah." Yeah, and then I was so stressed out and then I went and they were like, "Actually, no, you don't have to do this because" Which like I don't think I feel like you should get them whether you're sexually active or not cuz it's also checking yeah. for like cancer and shit, which could exactly. come from a lot of different things. Like like me and Kayla know people who have to like get them every year for because like certain cancers run in their family like it's not about whether or not they've had sex yet and so i was like okay i'll take this out this time but i'm not sure that you're right but next time i come back i'm getting that smear (laughs) but i'm not sure that you're right (laughs) yeah um for me it's never come up in a medical setting i uh have yet to um have an adult doctor the few times that nice. I go to the doctor these days, I still go to my pediatrician in my hometown. <laughs> um, so that stuff doesn't typically come up. Um, when I had a therapist, which I need to have one again, it did come up for sure. But like we didn't really talk about it much. Um, both therapists I brought it up with were like very open and like came back and were like, oh, I did some research on it. And like now I get what you're talking about. Um which but it, is like, what you want. <laughs> which is what you want. Um, but honestly, it mostly came up just because I was, like, talking about my life and, like, the podcast would come up and then I'd have to, like, talk about what the podcast was and blah, blah, blah. Podcast constantly making us at ourselves. <laughs> it really does. Um, 
but yeah, I I was very lucky in the situations I had where my therapists were really good about it. Um, I happened to live in um, college towns for both of those therapists. So I think that kind of helped because mm-hmm. I think they saw a lot of students and I don't know, maybe sexuality and stuff like that comes up with students more. But mm-hmm. um, that's definitely not the case for everyone that it's smooth sailing. And that's something that we'll get to later. Because um, I know a lot of people, for reasons that are different from us, where it like just doesn't really matter, there are other reasons that you might not be comfortable bringing it up with the doctor. Because some doctors are stupid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's kind of like a common thing with a lot of ASPEC people is like they don't bring it up unless they have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, because like Cause you said, it's, it's like you thing. have to do a whole talk like – even if you go to a therapist who, like, is saying up front, like, I'm LGBTQ friendly, like, they might not even know about asexuality. Um, and that's something, while I was doing research for this episode, I saw a lot of articles about, like, how to be a better, like, psychiatrist or therapist for aspec people. Um, mm-hmm. So it seems like there are conversations happening around that, but it's just, like, not everywhere. Right. And it's not something that you're necessarily learning in school when you yeah. were or maybe like they the, maybe they are now but you know if yeah if it's a person who went to school a long time ago it's not yeah it's just like the last thing you want when you go to a therapist is for like you to have to like explain things in yeah. depth to them it's like that's what they're supposed to be doing yeah that's you know? their job <laughs> yeah so fun fun um well speaking of I don't know, psychiatrists and psychology. So I think one of the biggest topics kind of when talking about asexuality being medicalized is um, it being kind of misconstrued as a disorder. Um, And this is something we talked about back in that episode um, 44 is hypoactive sexual desire disorder Um, and also kind of asexuality in the DSM, which is the psychological... Psychological it's, Encyclopedia, basically. Yeah, I'm trying to, I was trying to find if I could see, like, its long name. The DSM is basically a book that psychologists and psychiatrists and therapists use to diagnose people with disorders. So it has, like, every psychological disorder, its definition, and then usually a list of criteria. So, like, when I was getting diagnosed for, like, depression and anxiety, we had to go through this checklist and be like, okay, you have to have five or more of these things to get this diagnosis. Um, And it's updated every couple of years. The DSM-5 is the most recent one. It's relatively new. Um, Mm -hmm. But still problematic. Yeah, I mean, at at one point, uh, gayness was in the DSM as a psychological disorder. It no longer is. Um, but it's it's not a bulletproof um, document. Yeah, absolutely not. Um, so I found an article from the Asexuality Archive. It's from 2015, which may be around the time the DSM-5 came out, actually, now that I think about it. But it's basically talking about asexuality in the DSM-5. So it talks about um, HSDD, which is the Hypoactive Sexual Desire Disorder, and also some other um, places where asexuality is kind of mentioned. Um So, the two places where asexuality as the word kind of comes up 
Um, so one is the section on se- female sexual interest slash arousal disorder, whatever the fuck that means. Um, <laughs> and in its diagnostic features, so basically your definition of like, here's what it is, like here's how you might be able to tell someone has it. Um, so basically this disorder is a lifelong lack of sexual desire is better explained by one's, um, let's see. If a lifelong lack of sexual desire is better explained by one's self-identification as asexual, um, and asexual is in quotes, which is weird, um, Mm -hmm. then a diagnosis of female sexual interest slash arousal disorder would not be made. So it's basically saying like, oh, if you self-identify as asexual, then we would not diagnose you with having this disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, And the same thing for male hypoactive sexual desire disorder. They say if the man's low desire to be ex- is explained by self-identification as asexual, then the diagnosis is not made. So, you know what's really strange, though? I'm looking at this. Asexual is not in quotes when it's talking about men. And it says self-identification as an asexual. Whereas when it's talking about women, it says self-identification as, quote, asexual. That's I know. Weird. It's, and it's in the same book. It's very yeah. weird. Like, what, what um, are your copy editors doing? Come on. Yeah. It's just... Like, it's so stupid that they are trying to, like, blanket this as, like, oh, no, it's okay that we diagnose people with this this disorder because we're saying, like, oh, if you're asexual, you aren't going to be diagnosed. Right. But then you have psychiatrists who don't know what asexuality is. And so if you were to go to, like, bring up your asexuality or bring up whatever issues you're having to your psychiatrist how would they know to, like, not diagnose you, you know? Yeah, it's it's difficult. I think when we did episode 44, we definitely kind of hedged around this and beat around the bush a lot because it's it's hard to to accept, like, both realities that, like, it could be that there are people who do have some sort of sexual dysfunction, mm-hmm. but there's there's a line somewhere. Um, yeah. And... And in, in my opinion, like, I mean, yes, I'm an asexual person, so this definitely colors my my view of this. But, like, if I had a sexual dysfunction, I would not care. <laughs> like, I would just be like, yeah. whatever. Well, um, and I know so, some people do care, but, like, it's 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 very hard to, to find the line and make sure that people abide by it and are, are thoughtful in, in um, looking at these two things as uh, possibly separate issues slash non-issues yeah well i think that's the very hard thing is there's kind of other language in the definitions of these disorders and the way people talk about them is you also have to be dissatisfied like if you have a low libido or you have you know you're not interested in sex and you're fine with it then they wouldn't um diagnose you but that's also incredibly problematic because right. what if you are, like, in the early stages of accepting your sexuality? Like, there probably exactly. is some distress there. Like, I think for most people coming to terms with any sexuality, there might be some denial. There's some distress. Some, like, I wish this wasn't how it was. Like, that's how I was when I was realizing I was demisexuals. I was very yeah. distressed and I didn't want to be that way. And um, And especially... If someone is coming at it from a medical perspective, if they mm-hmm. think that there is something wrong with them, it's not just like, 
oh, I experienced the world a different way. Like, what what is this? Like, if they're looking at it as possible HSDD, like, they're already viewing it in kind of, like, a distressed way. Like, no one, mm-hmm. no one looks at the DSM and is like, I would love to have one of these. Let's see what I have. <laughs> Let's like, just pick it out like a catalog. Let's see. Like, I would love some depression and anxiety. Give me one, please. And so, like, if you're already looking in the DSM for this sort of thing, like, there's a, there's a, there's a decent chance you already have a lot of personal distress about it. And so, like, our interpretation of personal distress can be determined by how informed one is on asexuality, but also how ingrained norms of heteronormativity and allonormativity and amatonormativity are in their head. So, like, for two people who experience the exact same thing, one could consider themselves aspec and another could think that they have HSDD. And, like, there's no... There's not, like, rules as to being, like, this person is this, this person is that. It's it's very dependent. It's very subjective. Yeah, absolutely. And, it like, consider someone that has never heard of asexuality but maybe feels, like, out of place in society because they aren't interested in sex, so they go to their doctor, and then their doctor doesn't know what asexuality is, like, then they're going to automatically be like, oh, you have this disorder, without ever giving this person the chance to even learn that they might be asexual. Right. I think I think the real issue is that when, when HSDD is discussed, um, I think it should always be discussed in conjunction with asexuality. I think both should always be given as options and education about both should always be given because it is such a subjective thing. Like, yes, there are certain rules for like, you have to meet certain criteria for for uh, to be diagnosed with something in the DSM. But especially for something like this, it is really subjective. And so I think everyone who goes into it the, the, the doctors, the, the people who might be prescribing medication, and most importantly, the patient needs to be fully informed on both sides of it so that they can make the best decision for themselves. Yeah, because that's the hard thing for me is like, I don't think HSDD as a whole is necessarily fake. Like, yeah. I do think it's completely possible for someone to like, be very interested in sex for a long time, maybe have a high libido, and then all of a sudden not. And I mean, you you hear about that with, like, people who experience trauma or, yeah. uh, like, even, like, certain medications that, like, bring down your libido or whatever. Like, you know, there are still people who who do want to have that level of libido and may have had it previously, um, and they want it back. But it's it's so hard to find the line between that and someone who's just maybe asexual and not accepting of it but like there is a line somewhere right well and i think it's it also comes from just a fundamental misunderstanding of what asexuality is right like people who are asexual can have a high libido can want to fuck all the time (laughs) like someone who actually has hsdd maybe has trouble getting aroused like suddenly has a low libido they could still be sexually attracted to people and then mm-hmm. just like not able to do it like yeah. think about men who actually go like need viagra like older men that mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily mean they don't want to have sex anymore their peepus just stops working <laughs> their sexuality doesn't change because their yeah. penis doesn't work <laughs> yeah so it's, like, i think it's like like we often talk about the difference between attraction and action like i think yeah. it's a big misunderstanding there of like what it means to not be interested in sex versus like not interested in 
or like not having the attraction, you know? Right. And I think I'm I'm looking back again at, at the language in the DSM and it says, uh, distress may be experienced as a result of a lack of sexual interest slash arousal. But sexual interest and arousal is not the same. So thing. different. They're very so different. they're so different. And I think I think it's a very allonormative view which i would expect but it's it's a very yeah. allonormative view to, to to take those things and conflate them and say that they're the same um whereas you know people who are familiar with the aceback community understand that interest and arousal are not the same thing and they should not be treated as one lump sum yeah definitely i will say the good thing that i saw through doing research is there's a lot of like research going on about the difference between HSDD and asexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, like psychologists and like doctors or whatever doing hardcore research looking into both and trying to find the differences, trying to find like how we should be talking about them differently. So if you're interested in that, there's a ton of, well, I don't know about a ton, but I found like multiple um, like, you know, peer-reviewed published articles mm-hmm. Um about that so yeah and the good thing is like people are talking about it but right science and medicine moves so fucking slow right that's what i was gonna say it's also worth noting that like uh academia and science and medicine you know everything has to be peer-reviewed it has to go like you know the the covid vaccine was basically ready in january but they had to go through tests and they had to make sure that it would it did what they said it was going to do and that there weren't any other things like the same goes for changing things in the dsm and so the general the the zeitgeist may change much quicker than the dsm does and so it's just important that um we keep pressure on the scientific and medical communities to say hey you're working on this right like this is something that you're you're doing and then they'll say yes we are and then hopefully in the next dsm um it will be better phrased better conveyed yeah hopefully i think from the abstracts i read of some research papers it looked like the results were good for like hey we should be more careful about this and like the Mm -hmm. way that hsdd or sexual disorders are talked about in general like isn't great Mm -hmm. um so that's good but then you know you're also going up against a huge just like organization like um the american psychological association which like Mm -hmm. i'm i don't know this for sure but i'm sure is um you know run by white old men so (laughs) like getting anything changed it's just kind of a right and and just again you know the heteronormativity the allonormativity that's so ingrained in culture in academia like it's it's ingrained in every part of culture um it's it's not like the medical community or academia is exempt from that um so you know we just got to keep working towards it yeah uh another one of the links that kayla pulled up was just this it was a definition for lay people on ASHA, which is the American Sexual Health Association. Um, And its description of HSCD wasn't bad because, you know, it does say, it specifically says this distress is an important component. You know, it's it's the the fact that a person is distressed by their low libido or low sexual desire is an important part of HSCD. But it only refers to women. 
And that was Mm. such a, it was such a red flag for me. Like in the DSM, it mentions both men and women. Obviously there's a, there's a big oversight there with non-binary folks and that sort of thing. But like this website only refers to HSCD in regards to women. And I think that's a horrible idea (laughs) because like, you know, it, it, um, it makes it seem like this is something that can only affect cis women. And then it goes on to say, uh, while prevalence rates may vary, the Society for Women's Health Research estimates that about 1 in 10 women have HSDD, making it one of the most common female sexual difficulties, which I would like to know more about how they got that number. Because, (sighs) I don't know. I'm I'm just very curious about why they think one in ten women have HSDD and how those people are defining HSDD and um, what what the the cause of the distress they say that they're feeling is. Yeah. Um, well, the thing I wonder about distress and just from like reading um, some accounts of people who like did bring up asexuality in medical settings mm-hmm. is like you might need to be very distressed to get diagnosed but to have hsdd brought up in a medical setting at all like Mm -hmm. just because it's brought up doesn't mean you're diagnosed so even if you aren't diagnosed just your doctor bringing it up i feel like can still be very not good you know what i mean Right, like, like it's it's a doctor don't bringing walk away with a diagnosis. Just your doctor being like, "I want to try to diagnose you." Like that's yeah, like I think some I think something could be wrong with you. Yeah, and this is what I think could be wrong with you. Like that's almost just as bad as actually walking away with a diagnosis. Yeah, like usually if you get tested for something, like and it comes back negative it's either a relief like oh thank god i don't have that or it's like well shit what is it then um but in this case it's almost like you're thinking about why the doctor thought you had that because it's yeah. it's it's such a it's uh it's like in a it, you have like kind of an emotional reaction to it because you mm-hmm. think that it's some sort of reflection on your your place in society or your you know the, who you are as a person just because well, of the way that society it, treats like, it. If it came up because you told your doctor you were asexual and then that yeah. was their response, like, yeah. that's... <laughs> that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's possible that someone could both identify as ace and have HSDD. Like, that's not impossible. Um, so, you know, what are the rules? Who knows? That's the hard thing is they make all of this like stuff about you have to have such and such to get diagnosed, but I still feel like it's not specific enough. Yeah. And again, knowing for a fact that like probably a vast majority of doctors don't know what asexuality is or don't have a nuanced understanding. It's like, how am I supposed to trust them to do these diagnoses if they don't actually know the full story? Like that's how am I? How? Yep. And also, I mean, you know, doctors are supposed to be, you know, HIPAA compliant and all that stuff. But like, that doesn't like just because a person is a doctor doesn't mean that they're not homophobic or aphobic or biphobic or, you know, like they're not bulletproof just because they're a doctor. Um, Yeah. And, you know, we we want to view doctors as people we can trust. Um, But, 
you know, there is a, there is a certain wariness that needs to be had for people who identify as, as queer. Yeah. And, and honestly, think- anyone who's a part of any minority, like if you oh, look yeah. at the way that like black women are treated in, in, um, in like the medical field, it's, it's bullshit. Yeah. And I will say like, I, we're focusing mostly on asexuality in this episode, but like Sarah said, like, being gay used to be in the DSM. I'm almost positive that, like, gender dysphoria used to be in the DSM, or mm-hmm. maybe somewhat sort of still is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously you have things like conversion therapy. Like, this is, you know, just to say that, like, this, the DSM and kind of psychology has a lot of, a long history of issues with the queer community. Certainly, yeah. So, because Sarah and I don't have a lot of experience ourselves with, like, bringing it up in a medical setting, I tried to find some people talking about it online. Um, I basically, mostly tried to look at, like, the AVEN forums, um, which is obviously a, a bit difficult because so many people are talking and it goes back, like, billions of years. Um, billions. But, billions. Um, but I just wanted to find some examples of people's kind of experiences. I know, like, I've colloquial colloquially heard of like she's doing her people in our discord talking about it or people online talking about it but i just wanted to find some like hard um stuff stuff stuff. that our listeners could could look at themselves yeah and obviously like if anyone is comfortable we want to hear other people's experiences because Mm -hmm. sarah and i have been lucky enough to not kind of go through this i'm very interested to hear like how other people have dealt with this um Mm -hmm. So obviously, if you're if you're comfortable, we'd love to start that conversation or continue it. Obviously, other people are having it, but yeah. um, so I was looking on the Avon forums and I found a post from like last week, um, which was just distressing because there's some older posts from like you know 2010 of people dealing with this, and you would hope that um it would end there, but mm-hmm. um, so I'll like I'll link this discussion in like the bio or whatever of this episode just because i think there's a lot of interesting talk on it but um basically this person kind of like the title of the post is my mom pushed me to bring up asexuality at a doctor's appointment um so this person is like i am definitely asexual they brought it up with their mom who was not good about it um and basically kind of forced this person to bring it up Um, at the doctor's, which immediately got escalated to getting blood work or getting scheduled to have blood work and recommended to go to therapy. And this is something I've heard a lot is people getting blood work done to check their hormones, either someone telling them to or before they knew what asexuality was, asking for it to get done themselves because Mm -hmm. they didn't realize that they were just asexual. Um, So basically this person kind of goes on to talk about, you know, this experience they're having with their mom and um that they're not just like choosing to be asexual and then getting blood work done and it comes back you know completely normal this person does not have a hormone imbalance they're completely fine they're just asexual Mm um and so let's see so basically they they were recommended to go to therapy they were talking to this therapist and um the therapist was like, wait, you've heard the term asexual before, right? And the person was like, yes, I have. And I am like, I am completely fine with all of this. And the therapist was like, okay, so you know you're normal then. 
Um, and the therapist was, you know, upset that the doctor had, like, had them get blood work done and all of that. So, right, because the, re- the results all came back normal. Right. Like, it's, like... There's nothing wrong with this person. Right. So and they, I, they said they said that they had avoided using, like, the terms asexual while talking to the therapist because they yeah didn't want to get well, into yeah, that. But then the therapist a, brought it up themselves. Well, yeah. And I think, like, that's just – this story is kind of, like, an interesting two sides of it, of, like, the doctor being an ass about it and then the mm-hmm. therapist being very knowledgeable. But – it's very telling that this person, like, wouldn't use the term asexual with the therapist, probably because of the bad experience they just had with a doctor and their mom. Yeah. Like, it just ruins any trust with the medical field. And that's sad because, like, doctors are supposed to be helping us. And also because it could have, like, damaged this relationship with this therapist who's, like, mm-hmm. actually a good person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just like I'm glad that the therapist was there to be like, no, you're you're fine. Like, uh, you know, this this doctor was wrong. Your mom is wrong in thinking that there's something wrong with you. Like, I'm very glad that this person had that experience, but that's not going to be the experience of everyone. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of people that kind of like commented on this post where we're talking about how the doctor just like lacked knowledge about asexuality. Which I think is, again, true. Like, if the doctor understood, then they probably wouldn't have been like, go get your hormone levels checked. Also, you could have issues with your hormone levels and have it have nothing to do with your sexuality. Like, yeah, some people take hormones because of thyroid issues. Like, it's not, it's not uh, inextricably linked to sexuality in any way. Well, yeah, it's a, it's another thing of, like, trying to fix someone's sexuality, kind of like a version of conversion therapy really is like, okay, you say you're asexual, I'm going to get your hormone levels tested. If they're anything but normal, we're going to put you on some medication. Like, that might not mm-hmm. be as intense as the conversion therapy that you think about when you hear it, but, like, mm-hmm. it, like... it's It, it still is. fits the description. Yeah. Yeah, it's still, like, people... Rather than taking the time to try to understand your sexuality, just being like, no, no, we can fix this. Right. Um, which, I mean, just gets into a whole load of stuff about, like, people thinking that asexuality is sad and needs to be fixed and just, like, all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, like, people are talking about here that it, it kind of tracks along with, like, people, it, it, the experiences of people who have other queer identities, just their parents being like, no, we can fix this. Um mm-hmm. Which is like, no, we don't, we don't need to. Yeah. Let's see. The other post I found was just someone asking, this is from 2017, so it's older. Um, But it was just someone asking everyone's opinion of like, should I tell my therapist that I'm asexual? And um, the post has a lot of just like interesting thoughts from people about their experience with therapists. Most of the people talking are, seem to have really good experiences. Um. I think it just made me think of uh, Rebecca Burgess's How to Be Ace, where Mm -hmm. there's the scene where they're talking to their therapist and they just kind of give them terrible advice about like, oh, just do things. It's fine. You're just nervous and stuff like that. So um, I think, again, just like showing the two sides of like, if you have an informed therapist who knows what asexuality is, it can be really good. And if not, they're going to try to just fix you when you don't need it. Yeah, and there's there's definitely a diversity of opinions in, in the responses here and a diversity of experiences, um, which just shows that, you know, it's still 
shitty stuff is still happening to some people and wonderful things are happening to some people but uh it's not it's not fixed no that's the sad thing is i think a lot of this comes down to just education Mm -hmm. like that seems to be a major point where everything is stemming from is that doctors and therapists and psychologists like just don't know what asexuality is or don't take it seriously enough just because they haven't been exposed to it enough. And it's yeah. like, if there was just more education around it, they might not immediately jump to the conclusion of like, oh, something is wrong with you. Right. And it's not even just necessarily education in an academic setting it's also just in a cultural setting you know like if more people were just aware of asexuality more broadly maybe those people would be like oh hmm, that's interesting let me see how i can you know deal with that in my line of work let's let me see how i can apply that to to the patients i see like it's it's not the onus isn't just on academia to to do it it's it's on culture more broadly yeah and i feel like Every therapist I've had, like, has talked about, like, going to conferences and doing, like, certifications in different types of therapy. Like, even after you get your degree or your certificate or whatever you need to be a therapist, like, you should Mm -hmm. be continuing to, like, stay up to date on the things that are happening with your patients. Like, like teachers have to renew their teaching certificates. So, let's let's all renew our, our understanding of queer identities constantly. Um, let's see, the last thing I found, um, was, I don't know, good news, I guess. Basically, the UK, actually, last year, um, had a memorandum of understanding. Two years ago on, now. It's 2021, baby. Oh my god, it's 2021 when you're listening. Um, two years ago in 2019, made a memorandum of understanding about conversion therapy, just kind of, like, coming together with a lot of, like, organizations to put an end to um, conversion therapy in the UK. Um, and the first memorandum did not include um, asexuality and trans identities, but the most recent one in 2019 did. I forget mm-hmm. their name, but it was an, there was an asexual person in the mental health panel from ACECON that was working on that, and I don't remember their name now. Um, shame. Shame. Let me see if I can find it. But I guess that's just, like, good news. I just feel the UK is, like, so ahead of the US when it comes to ace things, it feels like. Yeah, but, I mean, it's not hard to be ahead of the US when it comes to ace (laughs) No. And, you know, there are are people behind the US, too. Like, it's a... It's a a continuum. But, yeah, it specifically says, you know... Uh, in relation to gender identity and sexual orientation, including asexuality. Um, um, their name delightful. is Joe. <laughs> Just Joe. Just look him up. Well, Joe. that's the name that they have, or she has. Yes, that's the name that she has on. Joe Russell. Nice. Joe Russell is Thank working you. on that, which is cool. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> um, so, I guess. Well, she's a psychotherapist. Good for you, Joe. Um, And so this episode fizzles out. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know how good any of this was, but... I think it was an interesting conversation at the very least. Well, I think it's a good start to the conversation. I would, like I said, I'm very interested to hear about the experiences of other people, especially people with disabilities and... Mm -hmm. 
like mental health issues. I think Mm -hmm. like people who have disabilities, this is an even bigger issue of like, are you actually asexual or is it just part of, you know, whatever medical issues you have? Like that's the intersection of, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's something we want to cover in future episodes is like having people who are like autistic and who have disabilities on to kind of talk about that intersection. Um, I really want to have an autistic guest on to talk about autism interacting with A-spec identities. So like if anyone has any good ideas, do do let us know. Yeah, we need to get back on the guest grind. We have a lot of topics we want to cover that require people who actually know what they're talking about. We need to get back on that. Um, yeah, so I'm just really interested to hear what people have experienced and think about this. And also, I know I've, like, interacted with some people who are, like, ace therapists online who have talked about, like, how they're trying to educate people. And I would love to hear about, like, how everyone else can help with that. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Wonderful. All right. Well, uh, what's our poll for this week? Um, I mean, I guess we could just do an open-ended poll about that like have have you had experiences with this yeah like what has your experience been with like asexuality in a medical or mental health space sure excellent cool all right um kayla what is your beef in your juice this week i'm typing okay my i'm gonna start with my beef because it's sad okay um my beef is that the new strain of COVID has reached the United States, um, and also that California cases are up 600% from last Jesus. month in LA. Oh, it Calif- California cases are up 600% from last month, and in LA, they are no longer bringing people who have strokes and heart attacks to hospitals for resuscitation oh. because there's oh. no room for them. Oh, so my God. they're just they're just being pronounced dead on the scene. Holy shit. Um, and I'm headed back to LA in the eye of the storm in about a week. And I'm just not not excited about that. So my beef is COVID. It's always COVID. It's always people being stupid. Um, my juice I'm not is, excited to fly. Yeah, I'm uh, not looking forward to it. Especially because my, my layover got extended. So now instead of spending like an hour in the Salt Lake City Airport, I'm going to be spending like three or four hours in the Salt Lake City Airport. Um, and I'm I'm more concerned about airports than airplanes, to be quite frank. Yeah. So, um, yay. Um, but yes, my juice is the Disney Pixar movie Soul. It was good. I haven't seen um, it. My other juice is a PJ Vote tweet that says, uh, "Probably next year will be good and normal." Um, yes, it's dark. We all cope in our own ways. Um, and my other juice is that 2021 is the year of the cow, and I think that ought to mean something. I mean, to us, I think that should be... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Something, something, certainly. Yeah. Also, apparently something... we were... 1997 was also the year of the cow, so we were both born in the year of the cow. I did know that, actually. So... Cows all around. Also, cow print is, like, very trendy now. Have you noticed? No. Yeah. I don't know. It seems to be the thing. And so are Squashmallows, which is the brand that Herb and Georgie are. So it feels like we've just really been ahead of all these trends. We're trendsetters. Yeah. Kayla, what's your, um, your beef and your house? My beef is that I finished Schitt's Creek and now <laughs> um, 
there's nothing left for me on this Kayla earth. was like, why is it over? And I was like, because Dan <laughs> Levy is smart. What am I supposed to do? My other, this is a direct, like, opposite of what my beefs and Jews were last week. But I have been still playing my video game, I can fell, and I'm on the final battle and I can't beat it. And it's making me irrationally angry. So I've been taking, like, a break from it. Um, and everyone online was like, oh, this battle was so easy, so lame for a final battle. And I'm sitting here and I can't fucking do it. Um, so that's sexy. Um, very sexy of you. Those are my beeves. Also, flying. Not excited for that. Also, it's New Year's Eve, and I'm when we're recording this, and I'm not doing anything. And I just keep thinking about last New Year's Eve when I was with all my friends, and um, yeah, I'm sad. <laughs> yeah, no. I've, my family every year for the past at least yeah, decade, you guys have like a whole thing. We have a whole thing, yeah. Like my aunt and uncle and my cousins come over, uh, and it's they like stay. Hour it's like a forty-eight hour extravaganza, yeah. Um, and that's obviously not happening this year. Uh, my sister and her girlfriend are coming over, uh, and we will be masked the whole time. And they're bringing Rosie, the dog, and Arugula, the cat. Rosie, the dog, keeps having diarrhea. Fun fact Love for the it. listeners. Um, so yeah, it won't be the same, and it's sad. But, you know, safety. Yeah. Um, my juice is the other day I slept until 2 p.m. And it <laughs> felt very good. I was so awake for the rest of the day. Um, I had texted Kayla four <laughs> separate distinct texts. And I was asleep. And one of them was podcast related. And usually if Which she usually ignores- gets me. Yeah, like if she ignores my other texts, she will answer podcast related texts. I'm a professional, she didn't, if nothing else. She didn't answer, and I was like, I she's think dead. she's dead. She <laughs> passed away. Yesterday, Dean was skiing all day, so he didn't answer a single one of my texts. So I resorted to like texting his friend's group chat and being like, can anyone confirm he's not dead? Because he also <laughs> didn't pick up my phone call. And I was like convinced that he had passed away, and then, but no one was telling me. Oh my god. He was fine. He called me on when he was on the um ski lift. Um <laughs> Incredible. What, juice? what was my other juice? I don't know. Who's to say? I don't know. Who's to say? Okay, great. Well you can find our poll, tell us about your beef, your juice, your interactions with asexuality and mental health and medical community on our social media at sounds fake pod we also have a patreon patreon.com slash sounds fake pod we have two new two dollar patrons sharon Ooh. s rap and kaylee nolton nolton i think you have a fun name just <laughs> an announcement thank both Hello. of you Welcome. thank you thank you to both you get it you're great our yes. five dollar patrons <laughs> Are Jennifer Smart, Esritha Binakota, Austin Lay, Perry Fierro, D, Quinn Pollock, Emily Collins, Book Marvel, Changing MX, Simona Simon, Jamie Jack, Jessica Shea, Rhea Faustino, Daniel Walker, Livy, Madeline Askew, Lily, James, Corinne, Alice is in Space, Sky Simpson, Brooke Siegel, Ashley W., Savannah Cozart, Harry Haston Dugan, Soup, who is not the CEO 
Amanda Kiker, Vishak, Jacob Weber, Rory, Amberly Estar, Rachel, Kate Costello, John, Ariel Laxo, Ellie, Tessa, Matias T, Courtney Pritchard, Chris Loretano, Dia Chappelle, Sam, and Megan Jeffrey. Our $10 patrons are Arkness, who would like to promote the Trevor Project, Benjamin Abaro, who would like to promote Tabletop Games, Anonymous, who would like to promote Halloween, Sarah McCoy, who would like to promote Podcasts from Planet Weird, My Aunt Jeannie, who would like to promote Christopher's Haven, Cassandra, who would like to promote their modeling Instagram at Little Red, Doug Rice, who would like to promote Native by Caitlin Curtis, Maggie Capelbo, who would like to not promote but appreciate maxi boy who joined molly and crossed the rainbow bridge uh we miss you max i'm sorry maggie um maggie capelbo would also like to promote h valdez who is our next patron <laughs> uh purple chickadee who would like to promote ishlibafuggle.wordpress.com barefoot backpacker um ashlyn bodecker who is ashlyn bow everywhere the steve who would like to promote ecosia rek who would like to promote thought slime segment the eyeball zone maddie who would like to promote the union series by th hernandez derek and carissa who would like to promote the overthrow of heteronormativity in support of melody the hamster and andrew hillam who would like to promote being excellent to each other our 15 dollars patrons are nathaniel white nathaniel designs.com my mom julie who would like to promote free mom hugs sarah jones who is at eternal lolly everywhere andy a who would like to promote being in unions in the iww martin giselle who would like to promote my Mental health, comma, good, comma, and supportive of A-Spec identities. Miranda Denton, who would like to promote Casa Q. Layla, who would like to promote Christmas time lasting the entirety of the month of December, or however long you want. It continues. Christmas is forever. Shrubbery, who was the wonderful prompter of this episode, who would like to promote the planet Earth. And Dragonfly, who would like to promote Shrubbery. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Tune in next Sunday for more of us in your ears. And until then, take good care of your cows in this year of the cow.